Hello, I'm Donnie Clinton, Director of Student Ministry and Media at West Hills Church, located in the heart of West County in beautiful St. Louis, Missouri. I'm also the host of the Going Deeper podcast at West Hills Church, where we take a few minutes to dive deep into last week's sermon or an interesting topic in the life of West Hills Church. West Hills is a gospel-centered church that glorifies God by living in authentic Christian community with one another, growing in spiritual maturity as disciples of Christ, and serving the world missionally with the love of Jesus. West Hills meets at 10.30 a.m. for worship on Sunday mornings. This week on the podcast, we're talking about rest and obstacles to rest. So thank you for joining us as we go deeper. Today, we are back with the next episode of Going Deeper, and I'm joined, of course, with the illustrious Pastor Will Duvall. Will, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Donnie? Good. It's really dreary. <laughs> we, we're recording this on um, the Wednesday after the sermon, and it's it's not pretty today at all. It's the weather we were supposed to have on Sunday morning, yeah. thank God, but... that he uh, provided and blew it over till Wednesday instead. Yeah, we are, we're grateful. I'm sure West Hills is grateful for that. Um, but today, we are continuing our ongoing like side study of the Gospel of Mark. Um, would you mind, Will, recapping Sunday real quick, just telling us what your, you had five points, what were those five points, and just letting the audience kind of hear that. Yep. So, Sunday's sermon was entitled, Refilling the Tank, colon, the who, what, where, when, and why of spiritual recovery. And so, the, the broad overview recap was, um, as I initially approached the outline of the message through the lens of just kind of generic rest and a call to rest and just the invitation of rest from, you know, like Jesus in Matthew 11, uh, 28, 29, come to me, all you who are weary, heavily laden, I'll give you rest. It's a beautiful promise. But it's it's in Matthew's Gospel, and we'll study that later when we get there. But in Mark, really, these these select passages that I was encountering, you know, just sort of the the first kind of phrase to um, to opening of a chapter, or the sort of last phrase at the end of a chapter or section of text, you know, and then Jesus went and stole away to you know the, the other side of the mountain to pray, or he he went to the other side of the lake with his disciples to to get away um, from the crowd, kind of thing. And these pictures that we get really, to me, more as I sort of studied and compiled them and thought and prayed about them, I was really getting more of a a specific picture of not just generic rest, but of spiritual recovery. You know, this is a man, Jesus, who is pouring himself out. I mean, he specifically, uh, you know, you know, Paul, the way Paul talks about it, even the Apostle Paul talks about himself you know, pouring himself out as a drink offering for the sake of the church at Philippi. And, and that's clearly what we see Jesus doing for the sake of the, the, the masses and especially his disciples. He's just investing in people all the time. And it's just tiring. And, um, you know, even Jesus wasn't as a human built to do ministry 24 seven, he needed time away to recharge his batteries. And so, um, yeah, the sermon was basically looking at his example of that. And what are the takeaway principles for us as we look to recharge our batteries for ministry? Yeah. Thank you, Will. And as we get into this, uh, if we're going to talk about rest, it's really, really practical to talk about the things that take away from our rest, like pretty much every aspect of life. 
Um, we're sinful, we're fallen, we have limited tanks, and we can't refill perfectly. Uh, and Will has had, has come up with five points uh, about things that are going to push against us when it comes to needing rest. But off the top of my head, because Will encourages us to be a little conversation, uh, I'm going to ask him one question right now that he can give into or say we, we're going to cut that out. <laughs> it's up to him. But you said Jesus poured himself out for his disciples. Do pastors have the same responsibility to their flocks? Like, that's a interesting. <laughs> I think the que- the answer has to be absolutely, unequivocally, yes. Um, yeah, uh, I think that is um, clearly the, the, the model and the example that is um, set time and time again uh, by the the apostles, um, again, especially by the apostle Paul. And you think of, um, yeah, just of uh, that passage uh, again of pouring yourself out. Um, you know, I, I think of, you know, first uh, Peter five and first Timothy three and, you know, so, so, and even not just pastors. I mean, that that probably should be borne in mind is that clearly, you know, we're, I'm going to preach in a couple of weeks here from Mark 10, um, sort of 41 to 45-ish, um, where Jesus is talking about what leadership in the kingdom of God looks like and how it's an upside-down kingdom and the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and, and uh, those in authority amongst the Gentiles exercise their authority over top of top down um, do this or else but it shall not be so among you he says to his followers you know but uh, the first will be last the one who who wants to you know lead has to become a servant of all and so that's what leadership in the kingdom is it's it's service it's pouring yourself out for the sake of you know those you're leading and slash serving and so um, you know I I think certainly as a lead pastor um, and as just as shepherds in general, as elders, and we have to model that and, and lead by example there. And, um, you know, truthfully, to, you know, the, the best leader in the church is going to be the person who gives of themselves most freely and selflessly for the sake of others. But again, to tie it back to this conversation, you can't, in something uh, refrain that I repeated a lot on Sunday, and I'll keep repeating because I think it's good. Is you can't give more than you got. You know, you really can't. Um, you know, I like that analogy of the bucket. You know, you got to fill up your uh, bucket if you're going to be able to pour out that drink offering in, mm-hmm. into others. And so, um, you know, what we were looking at Sunday was the way specifically that we see Jesus outlining for us that we do that, that we fill up our buckets um, so that we can can pour it out. But, yeah, to Donnie's point, you know, one of the things that I think is helpful for us to keep in mind in this conversation is um, that there are a lot of competing, opposing <laughs> forces out there mm-hmm. to our getting the rest that we need, getting the recovery time that we need to be able to, you know, continue in this work of ministry that the Lord's entrusted with us as long as we're here on this earth. And so, um, yeah, we just want to take some time this morning. 
uh, to or afternoon, whenever you're look, listening to this, to um, to dig into that a little deeper. And so, you know, we we studied the who, what, where, when, why of spiritual recovery and the positive sort of answers to that. But we thought another way to approach it that might be helpful and make it even more practical for us um, is to to flip that and say, you know, like Donnie already mentioned, what are the five biggest maybe obstacles to our spiritual rest and recovery um, that we need to, to, to keep in mind so that we're conscious of it and um, we're, we're actively able to, you know, pray and, and ask the Lord to help us fight against those temptations. And so, um, yeah, if that's good, I'll, I'll dive right into those. Yeah, we'll go over these five pretty, well, as briefly as possible, as with much brevity. Uh, so the first one is the who. Like the first who hurdle yeah. of the thing that sort of drains our tank. Yep. And as we said on Sunday, who we should go to and go with is we go to God. You know, Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And we go, the, the answer to who we go with is, is twofold. Um, on the one hand, we go alone. And there, there needs to be time in the most extroverted person's life when they spend time alone with the Lord. But we also go with others in community. And we see Jesus do that often with his disciples um, and spend time r- resting and recovering together for the next day's worth of ministry. And so um, I think, to me, the the contrasting thing here that maybe is the biggest temptation of who who we go to for spiritual recovery is others. I think a lot of times we confuse time with the Lord with time with others. You know, just because we go to the Lord with others in community and we see Jesus taking his disciples away together, um, again, that, that um, passage in, in Mark 6 where after he sent them out and they come back and they're, you know, amazed at, at all these miracles they've done and healing people and exercising demons. And Jesus says, now let's go away together uh, to spend time with the Lord. I think that the, the thing that could be um, confused there is time, you know, here's how I want to put it. Emotionally venting to others is not the same as spiritually recovering with others. Okay, so, you know, me having a, an issue or, you know, I'm, I, if I'm even a spiritual issue and I'm trying to, to, to work through that and process and pray and, and all of that, um, that's all fine and good. And we even go to one another for, for spiritual wisdom and, and advice and things like that. You know, but if I'm discipling someone and I'm running into issues in their life and, man, I just can't help them see this, you know, there's a difference between me, again, emotionally venting about frustration um, to, to someone else and spiritually recovering, maybe even alongside that person and praying together and taking it to the Lord. Um, and and uh, so... You know that's that's I, I think the big picture thing I, I wanted yeah. to say there. I and, and and as is the case with all of these that we're going to talk about, um, you know there may very well be a place for these things. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, on the the what we do to recover point, um, and, and not to too quickly transition. But I mean, I can go ahead and frame that up. Like I, you know, we already started talking about that on Sunday. Like what we do to recover is 
we spend time with the Lord. We, we pray. Um, that's what Jesus does over and over again. You know, what we don't do is binge-watch binge watch Netflix. What we don't do is, you know, binge um, whatever on Facebook. And, 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 and those things, again, those things aren't inherently bad. They're not, um, you know, it's not that they may or may not have their place, but um, what they're not doing is spiritually recovering us. So we can't confuse relaxing with refilling. Um, that's the big point on, on number two. But to go back to number one, like it, it may very well have its place for me to emotionally vent. Like, you know, I come home after a long day in the office and, and all these things and I'm trying to you know, pour myself out and, and, and yeah, spiritual ministry to, to people. And, you know, and then you turn around and you, 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 you get this, this feedback or you see this, this, this thing on Facebook. And you're like, man, is it making any difference? And, you know, you're frustrated. It, there may be a place for me to, to go home. And, I mean, just full disclosure, West Hills, you should know. I discuss everything with my wife. Okay, so if you ever don't want Polly to know about something, don't tell me. Um, if, you know, I... I Pastoral confidentiality, sure. Like if, if you tell me, please don't share this with even Polly, um, I will, depending on what it is, I would try and respect that. Um, but I can almost promise you too, you're always going to be better for her knowing because she oftentimes gives better advice than I do and, and rounds me out in some of those ways. But all that to say, like there may very well be a place for me to, to emotionally vent with her and to blow off steam and to say, ah, I just need to express this frustration that's still different than me spiritual recovering and that's still different than me also still taking it to the lord in prayer and so um yeah donnie any anything on point one that stands out to I you mean, i know you're taking some notes there no i just i always try and take notes for my own benefit after during our podcast um but i was thinking you said people don't go home to netflix that's not recovery um, Christian, like specifically Christian spiritual recovery is finding comfort in the things of the Lord. Whereas like the earthly flesh finds a lot of comfort in watching 40 episodes of The Office in one night and eating a big bowl of popcorn, as I have before. Um, Christian, <laughs> Christian, Christian spiritual comfort is like, even though it may take work to get to finding comfort in this, the greater benefit is knowing and finding comfort in the things of the Lord. So it's like, Sometimes I want to watch Netflix, but I, but I change that and I go read this vi- this uh, devotional called I have this devotional I have called The Valley of Vision. It's great. It's a mouthful. It's really tough to get through, but the work that it takes to understand that devotional helps me find greater rest in the Lord. Um, yeah. So even Christian rest can take a little work. So yeah. So what about? Oh, what's and then point two? Yeah, let's let's just go ahead and continue on that theme of number two and what we do, and the flip side of it, what we don't do to rest. And so again, we, I, we pressed in on some of those specific things that seem to be kind of escapisms of um, our day and age that aren't necessarily leaving us um, more rested, more spiritually recovered. Um, it's just kind of venting um, in, in a different way. And so I just want to read this little excerpt that I skipped over from the sermon on Sunday because it was at a, at a time when the clouds parted in the sermon and the sun was beating down and it felt like it was 90 degrees and we were all fanning ourselves and ready to like just wrap this up, pastors, so we can sit in the shade over there in the pavilion and, and eat our barbecue. But um, 
here's here's our uh, here, here here's a little excerpt that I had omitted just on the fly. Um, picking up on this idea, we don't we don't go to Netflix, we don't go to Facebook, Stanley Cup playoffs uh, for spiritual recovery. These things aren't inherently bad. They may even have their place in the Christian's life. I think it depends in large part on your motivation. A lot of what drives our entertainment culture today is escapism. We want something to distract us from the stresses of work, from stresses in the other room, the kids bouncing on the bed who won't go to sleep. We just want to unwind at the end of a long day, relax, and be distracted with something that has nothing to do with my 9 to 5. And that may be fine. Uh, I want to be clear. I, you know, This is one of those where it's like, you know, Romans 14, it's ultimately on your conscience and between you and the Lord. I, I can't find biblical precedent for it or explicitly against it. The Pharisees did accuse Jesus of being a glutton and a drunkard. Was that because he liked to take a load off after a long day of ministry and crack open a cold one and turn on the game? I don't know. Did the Apostle Paul, after a long day of preaching and disciple-making, like to blow off a little steam in the steam room at the local Roman spa? We don't know. But one thing is for sure, unwinding, escaping, relaxing is not the same as refilling. Relaxing is different than refilling. So at best, you're trying to refill. Um, if you're trying to refill with video games and the Cardinals game, you're putting the wrong, wrong kind of fuel in the tank. So um, we refill with Jesus, with his word, with scripture, with his presence and prayer. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my point number two is, uh, you know, what we don't go to, to to get that spiritual recharge of the batteries. Anything else that stands out to you on that one? Yeah, there are some pretty explicit things that are off limits to Christians that we just cannot even ask the question about motivation. Christians are not to go to strip clubs to unwind. Sure. <laughs> like, thank you. That, like, and that's not what Will is saying. No, nope, maybe we should have um, yeah, <laughs> There are some specific boundaries with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, there, there's some ideal and motivation. I listen to another podcast called The Reformed Brotherhood. They are a bunch of Reformed Christians talking about Christian things, and they are very, very good. And they always record the podcast on Sundays, which is supposed to be the Lord's Day. Their motivation in doing so is that thousands and thousands of people listen to this podcast. So while it does take work, and then while they do enjoy doing the podcast, it's also motivated by Christian sensibility. It's like... I'm um, one of the, and I'm bringing this up specifically today. I was listening to it on my way into work, and one of the one of the guys said, "Yeah, today I went on a hike." Um, not inherently a Christian thing, but his motivation, he said, was because I just wanted to see how good the Lord is to us in creation. Mm-hmm. It's like, honestly, you have to look through the thing that you're doing. Is Netflix really that beneficial to you? Does it edify the Lord in His creation? Does it edify any part of your? Christian sensibilities. Uh, there's there's a big part about a lot of these points that has to do with why are you doing it at all, buddy? Um, so it's yeah, it's like there are things that are specifically off limits, obviously within scripture that are forbidden. But then there are things like I can go on a hike and not refill the tank because I'm not glorifying the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that I don't know. That's just something I'm kind of off the top of my head. That is good, and I think it's a good segue too to the third point of where 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 we go for this spiritual recharge. Again, obviously we're going to the Lord, but God gives us specific kind of channels of His grace where He says these are places to meet with Me. Um, and so we talked on Sunday about two in particular: creation 
and his church. You know, again, Jesus went out by the lake to meet with God. He went to the other side of the mountain to, to be with God. And there's something unique, like Donnie was saying, that these guys are bringing up the podcast, unique about being with the Lord in his creation. Um, and then the second one, uh, the church, you know, we, we, um, we go to be with one another in community because there's something different when we're, we're two, or ga- two or more are gathered in Christ's name. He's, he's with us in a different kind of way. And so I think the, the interesting, as I was thinking about what, what, would be, what would be our answer to this question that would be an obstacle um, to that kind of spiritual re- recovery that, um, that we could talk about, you know, the answer to the question that occurred to me is, um, we, we, I think one of the, the sort of obstacles that we might sometimes, um, buy into is this idea that, um, where we go, you know, to meet with the Lord is anywhere. And, um, we take sort of the idea that the temple veil has been torn out to its like sort of furthest conclusion that there is no more divide between sacred and secular, that we can meet with God anywhere. And there's a, a really big grain of truth in all those things. But I think, you know, the danger in that, um, that I think on a practical level that I've seen play out even in my own life and my own sort of kind of... Um, uh, approach to things like spiritual discipline and things like that is, um, is sort of a laissez-faire, casual posture towards the Lord. Um, you know, if, 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 if there's really no sacred or secular, you know, um, really what that should mean is that all of life becomes sacred, but I think a lot of times what it by sort of default means for those of us fallen sinners is that everything becomes secular instead of everything being sacred. And so instead of, uh, instead of carving out the temple to meet with the Lord and pilgrimaging there and, and, and on the high holy days and all the things that the Jews used to do in the Old Testament to meet with the Lord, you know, now there's no more temple and God's everywhere and whatever, and we can meet with him anytime. But instead of doing that all the time, we don't do it at all. And so, you know, we don't have a holy week. We have you know, um, Sundays that are optional and we don't go to church if we don't feel like it and whatever. Yeah, and bedside Baptist. Bedside, yeah, first <laughs> church of Bedside Baptist. It, you know, um, exactly. And so we take this sort of casual um, approach to the Lord. And so I, I, uh, I think that there is something to this notion that um, there is, there are still these sort of sacred carved out ways that the Lord um you know, has ordained for us to meet with him, his creation, his church, you know, that there's something special about Sunday mornings that we should want to be with the gathered church, that there's, you know, um, yeah, there's something even special about, again, the spiritual disciplines and how we do that. Like I, I, I can tend to take a very casual posture to prayer if, you know, this whole idea that, well, we don't just pray, you know, X number of times a day now and get legalistic about it like the Pharisees. Now we're told to pray constantly and we always have access to the Lord again. Great. But do we actually do it? And and when we do, does it, does it affect our mindset in, in a way that makes us, forms us into a more casual posture and we just kind of kick back and, and relax and time to just kind of pray and prayer becomes sort of synonymous with like transition into sleep. And, and I just kind of like 
fall asleep praying and I don't know not that there's anything wrong with that per se either but like I contrast that with um, you know this book that we're reading in our leader training program right now um, at the church uh, by Oswald Sanders on uh, spiritual leadership and he has got a whole whole chapter on prayer and just how how much work prayer is it's like spiritual work so like there's almost this give and take between yeah. prayer as yes spiritual recovery time with the lord but it's also like um you know prayer is spiritual exertion i mean prayer is ministry um mm-hmm. we should be exerting our ourselves in in intercession for for others in prayer and you know this whole idea that i'm just kind of laying on my back and you know just kind of uh, you know, prayer is a, a list of things that I, I ask God for, um, as opposed to, I just, yeah, I want to take prayer really seriously. And I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but, uh, <laughs> Donnie cut me off. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like, where do we go to refill our batteries? A few weeks ago, I graduated from seminary. The first thing I did was book a mission trip, <laughs> which is like the exact opposite of what, so you're going to work for four years and then go work really hard for a week. Um, I was in Yakima, uh, on an in Yakima, Washington, two and a half hours south of Seattle and on an Indian reservation, visiting friends, but also doing mission work. And it got very cold at night and the restroom was a porta potty they had to walk to. So, and there was no lights on the Indian reservation, just didn't happen very much. And so when you got up at three in the morning and you look up at the stars, you're going to see a tremendous, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of stars, more than I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and I was, and I was there and it compelled me into this like Psalm eight kind of worship where it was like, when I look at your heavens and the works of your fingers, the moon and stars, uh, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? It's like, being in this beautiful place while well, that is torn, like Indian reservations are famously torn with sin. Um, I was like compelled to worship because of this, like the sheer magnitude of what I was seeing. It's like when Ron, is it Ron Burgundy? Not Ron Burgundy. It's uh, from the Parks and Recreation. Ron, whatever. Ron, from there, he says the only two appropriate places are to cry at are funerals in the Grand Canyon. It's because that those natural places fill you with awe. <laughs> so I don't know if that's an appropriate kind of thing. But let's go to, let's go to point four. <laughs> Ron Swanson is Ron always Swanson. A, always appropriate as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> any Anytime we can find a way to work him into a podcast or a sermon Moving or anywhere else. Yes. Um, so, yeah, point number four. Thanks, Donnie, for that, by the way. Uh, point number four, when? When do we meet with the Lord? Um, I think the, the point from Sunday was when we need to. Um, but I think the obstacle and what I want to talk about here for just a minute is oftentimes our answer to that is when it's too late. You know, it's like after we are completely spiritually uh, ex- overextended and exhausted and burned out. Um, and burnout, you know, for all the talk of it, it really is a thing. And it really is probably an epidemic in the church world. It's like, you know, the, the 20% that do 80% of the work kind of thing. West Hills, I've, I've often told people is, I think, more like the 40% who do 60% of the work. 
Um, eh, maybe like 30% who do 70% of the work. Um, but I, I like to think that we're a little better than the like 80-20 rule. Um, but I don't know that we're that much better. It might be 30-70 at West Hills. So uh, all that to say, um, my my call, my challenge, my plea from Sunday of like, if you're not serving somewhere or if you're, you know, retired and got all the time in the world and, and you're serving in one place in the church, like we, we need you, we want you, you know, and, and not just in a like, you should feel guilty if you're not doing your part, but in a like, you know, this is a, this is an invitation, you know, as much as Jesus's invitation to rest is an invitation to you, the invitation to need that rest, to need that recovery is an invitation to you because it's an invitation to ministry. It's an invitation to partner with us as we and play your part in the body as we mm-hmm. as we try and, you know, live out our, our, our calling to be faithful to 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 preach the gospel to all nations. And um, you know, that's what we want to do at West Hills, but you know, it really does take a village and you've got to play your part. Um and and, and if if you're not, then we're you know, we're not able to give, you know, I called Eli out in this, in the sermon on Sunday, but like, we're not able to give some of those other um, people who are doing 70, 80, 90, whatever it is, percent of the work, the break that, that they need and be proactive about that. Um, Cause we don't want to burn people out. You know, I've, I've already in my time at West Hills before I took over seen, you know, people in, in ministry leader positions, deacon positions, even elders, whatever, where, you know, they, they just, they hit a wall and uh, broke down in, in a ministry leaders meeting, you know, crying about how frustrated they are that they feel like they're trying to shepherd the sheep and, you know, they want to lead from the front and, you know, and, 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 and beckon people along, but like, they feel like they're prodding from the back and, and, you know, they feel like they're trying to herd cats and, and it's just exhausting. And so um, I think it's incumbent on all of us to both be people, people who are led well, you know, if I'm, if I'm, you know, volunteering on Lauren Brickler's welcome team ministry, like, you know, don't make that job hard for her. It's like, you know, um, the author of Hebrews 13 talks about like, you know, submitting to your leaders to make their leadership easy for them and fruitful and, and beneficial to them and not making them, uh, you know, resent the fact that they're, they're, they're trying to herd cats. Um, you know, like I, I want to, I want to arrive early to my post with a smile on, ready to serve people well, to mm-hmm. make to make the leader's job, and then you know, also like taking care of her. Like, how you doing? You know, you just had a new baby. You're trying to get to get back to work, and you're still running the second biggest ministry in the church. How you doing, Lauren? Like asking her that and checking in and like making sure that we're stepping up as needed to to give those people you know those breaks. So, yeah, that's my that's my win thing is don't wait till it's too late. Yeah, there's a problem I think that I've noticed within myself is that I treat God like a birthday cake or a Band-Aid, right? I, I go to him in celebration. It's like when I do something really good, like a proud son, I go to my dad on the sidelines and I say, Dad, look what I did or something. Or, or when I fall and skin my knee, I go to God and I say, God, can you patch this up? And I'm, and I'm treating, at that point, I'm treating God like a genie who's responsible for dispensing my needs. When uh, that's not Christian theology at all, the very opposite is true, that God is um, impassable and doesn't have any need of us and yet still chooses to care for us. Um, so there's a temptation we have to resist, like definitely go to him and praise. But can you praise him 
when things are bad. John Piper kind of sums it up. He's like, if a, if a drunk driver careened across the median and crashed into your car and killed your little girl, is that a time, while, while however hard it might be, is that a time where you might be able to turn to praise? And, and he, he emphasized like that is what true Christian worship might look like. That is what true Christian worship looks like. That's what Job looks like. And then we go to him when things are bad because, well, God, you can fix it. I think, well, of course he can, but he could always fix it and not just when we're in need. So, well, yeah. And that's, that's part of that point of when we go to him is not just when it's too late, um, not just, yeah, when we feel spiritually depleted or emotionally exhausted or whatever, but be proactive. You know, that's why um, we make it a habit to meet with the Lord daily in his word and prayer and in community, fellowship with others. And, you know, man, if, 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 if that, if, if fellowship is just a Sunday morning thing for you or just a Tuesday night life group thing, like that's not real, you know, I mean, that's, that's a that's a club. That's not a friendship. You know, friends friends are a part of one another's lives. You know, on a day to day kind of basis, and like sharing life together. That's the vision, and that's frankly what we need. We need we need to um, we need the Lord, uh, not just when we're spiritually depleted, but constantly, um, and we need one another. And so, uh, and last last quick point point number five. Why? Why do we take time for spiritual recovery? And we touched on this again Sunday as well, so I'll be quick here. Um, it's not just because we have to. I think that's the, tr- the obstacle, the trap we fall into is we do wait until it's too late and until we have to have, you know, uh, our, our, our spiritual bucket is, is empty and there's not a drop left in it. And sometimes we can wait until we feel that, emptied and in need of uh, of God um, before we turn back to him and ask him to refill us um, but if we're thinking about that why question it's not just it's not just because we have to because I, I need God's filling here but it's because we can it's because it's available to us so I don't have to wait until there's not a drop left in the bucket to 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 refill it. And frankly, that's the better metaphor anyways, right? It's not that that we have this bucket and God pours into it and then we pour it all out. And, and when we're empty, then, you know, we're so spiritual thirst, spiritually thirsty that God's got to pour more in before we can pour more out. It's the, the, the vision should be that God is pouring over an abundance, an overflow of himself, of his Holy Spirit, of his joy, his peace, his love, you know, all these things that are, that are overflowing our souls in a way that that overflow then becomes the ministry to others. So our, our bucket stays, stays full, you know, and it's just that we're overflowing from our buckets into others because God is pouring so much gospel, so much hope and peace and joy and love and, and comfort into our hearts, into our souls that it's more than we can handle. We've got to share it, you know, and, and, and there's just more. We can't contain it, and it's pouring out of us into others. That's the vision. That's, that's, what, that's what we want to pray for, and we know that God wants that for us. And so if that's not our experience, I think the only place to look is, is in the mirror. And I don't say that in a way to, to make us feel guilty, like you've got to be better at spiritually resting and recovering, but just in a way of, you know, Pray that God would would fill you in that way because He wants to. So, yeah, 
Well, that is it for this episode of Going Deeper. Thank you, Pastor Wool, for stopping by. And thank you, listener, for uh, listening in for as however long you have listened to. Please, if you have the time, give this episode of the podcast or any other sermon on the Apple Store just kind of a review, an honest review about it. Five stars, whatever you're feeling. So other people in the Christian world can find thoughtful Christian commentary uh, against contemporary issues and exegeted from God's word. So thank you, Will, for coming in. Thanks, Donnie. Mm -hmm.